Welcome to the Florida Roundup. Thanks for listening. I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville. And I'm Matthew Petty in Tampa. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis' war on woke is getting pushback from high school students and from a high-profile lawyer, Ben Crump. That's after the State Department of Education rejected an advanced placement African-American studies course. That's right, Matthew. Here's the comment from Florida Education Commissioner Manny Diaz Jr. He tweeted, We proudly require the teaching of African-American history. We do not accept woke indoctrination masquerading as education. Now, on Tuesday, the College Board said it would revise the course. On Wednesday, Crump held a press conference in Tallahassee to announce he would file a lawsuit on behalf of three Leon County High School students if DeSantis doesn't allow the course to be taught. Everybody who is here in America, you have a right to have your culture, your history respected and taught to the children of America. And gathered alongside Crump at the lectern were black lawmakers and the three high school students. So let's hear from Elijah Edwards. He's a 10th grader at Ricketts High School in uh, Tallahassee. He said he was excited about taking the AP African American Studies class. I could already imagine the insightful discussions and daily new history facts. But instead of approving the class and giving me and my fellow students around Florida a glimmer of hope to learn about the roots of our lineage, Governor DeSantis decided to deny the potentially life-changing class and, effective, and effectively censor the freedom of our education and shield us from the truths of our ancestors. I can't believe that this is 2023 and America is talking about censoring education. Well, we'll go to your calls and tweets in a moment. You can reach us at 305-995-1800. That's 305-995-1800. What do you think about uh, this new move from the State Board of Education and what might come afterwards? You can send us a tweet as well. We're at Florida Roundup. Your calls and tweets in a bit, but first we welcome Florida State Senator Chevron Jones, Democrat of Miami-Dade County. Senator, good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Now, you've called this move by the governor and the Department of Education an outrage and an attempt to further marginalize black Florida residents. The state counters that this class, which was a piloted class in a pilot framework, uh, is masquerading as education, but is actually woke ideology. What's your response to the state's rationale for not allowing this class in in Florida high school classrooms? Well, I think it's important to point out that our students, they deserve and they have the right to know true American history because you can't talk about American history without talking about African-American history. The unfortunate part that we are seeing now uh, is that the tone and tenor, which has spread across this country uh, by my Republican colleagues and by the governor uh, in calling history like African-American history, uh, woke ideology, when actual that woke ideology is actual facts. I think it's dangerous in which uh, and what my colleagues are doing. Uh, but I don't believe this is just a Florida problem. I think we should we should be paying close attention to this because this issue uh, is Florida is just being the testing ground. But people from across the country should be concerned that legislatures and governors across the country would think that if Florida can do this, then they can do it also. And this is not the way that we should be teaching our children. The College Board has already responded, saying it would revise the course. Do you see that as something of a, a slippery slope going along with your argument? Well, it's definitely a slippery slope, and I think there's mixed messaging that's go that's going out because I did see one report and say that the college board was going to revisit, and then the college board put out a statement uh, yesterday that said that uh, this course had been vetted. Um, teachers from across the country, uh, uh, professors from across the country sat down and the curriculum that was created was very well thought out. And as a matter of fact, of the 60 schools that was doing this across the country, uh, two of them were actually in Florida. One of the one of them in Miami and one in, um, in, in Tallahassee. Students were already enrolled in these classes and they had already made it clear that they, what was being taught to them wasn't just um, necessary, but if they were actually excited to even learn about other people's history. Let's talk about what was in the class. The governor and state officials say they 
objected to certain elements, uh, discussions of reparations, for example, uh, black feminism, the concept of intersectionality, black queerness. You are the first gay person and the first black LGBT person to be elected to the Florida legislature. So what's your response to their specific objections? We understand the intersectionalities uh, within any race. Yeah, if you if you're going to talk about uh, African American history, you can't talk about African American history without talking about Black women. You can't talk about African American history without talking about LGBTQ history, because under that you speak about Marsha P. Johnson, you speak about uh, James Baldwin, and the, the list continue to go on. That's a part of history. As I started and made it clear that American history is African American history. All of that is a part of our story, uh, and and and. The, the students, they should understand these stories. They should understand these different plights and what and how James Baldwin and what and how he was writing in those times. Uh, and so this concept that uh, the, the governor's office is coming up with and saying that, oh, well, this is the reason why there is no reason why we should be shielding children or students from the truth. I'll say and the last thing is this. This is only this is only the governor's office trying to cover up what they said in the beginning. What they said in the beginning was that African-American studies brought no education, no value to students. And now they're trying to cover it up and say it's because of queer theory and all of these other things. Well, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. State Senator Chevron Jones with us uh, representing parts of Miami-Dade County. Thanks for joining the Florida Roundup. Thank you for having me. All right, joining us now, Dr. Larry Rivers, Distinguished Professor of History and author at Florida A&M University. Dr. Rivers, thank you for being here. Dr. Rivers, are you with us? Well, let's go to uh, Will Brown, a reporter with Jax today. Will, are you with us? I am. Good afternoon. Thanks for being here, Will. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, this is Larry Rivers. I've had some technical problems. No, not a problem. I'm, I'm glad you could join us, uh, Dr. Rivers. Uh, well, let me just start with you for a moment, if I could. Uh, we, we heard a little bit of sound from that press conference. Elijah Edwards, that 10th grader in Leon County, describing the AP course in question, saying it would be potentially life-changing. Uh, I'm wondering your perspective. What impact do you see a course like that having on Florida high school students and then sort of moving ahead into uh, into college? Well, uh, well, let me speak. Oh, is this Larry Rivers? Oh, that was a question for Will, but um, you can answer it after after Will goes, if you wouldn't mind. Okay. Well, you know, the, the first thing I would arguably say is, you know, students would have an opportunity to, to learn about someone like Pauli Murray in addition to learning about Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood Marshall, as we well know, before he was a Supreme Court justice, uh, was one of the people who was uh, legally helped fight and win the Brown versus Board of Education case. But someone like Pauli Murray, uh, who was a woman who... Um, excuse me, was born a woman um, and and was a member of the LGBTQ community but never really came out uh, during her lifetime, uh, but is celebrated by the LGBTQ community. Her contributions were the legal theory behind some of the things that Marshall advocated for. And so uh, th this type of course, you know, when we discuss intersectionality, uh, the definition of it is, you know, systems of inequality based on gender, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender identity, disability, class to create unique dynamics and effects. And so what that means is someone and, you know, someone like Thurgood Marshall is remembered more so than someone like Pauli Murray. They both should be discussed. Uh, same mm -hmm. thing with the March on Washington. We uh, rightly lionized Dr. King and uh, the late John Lewis, but we don't discuss Bayard Rustin nearly as much. And Bayard Rustin was one of the people who was behind the March on Washington, as was Jacksonville's A. Philip Randolph. Uh, but uh, Mr. Rustin was gay. And so their intersectionality helps explain why some people are forgotten and some people are remembered. Right. Uh, well, thanks for that input. I wanted to just bring you into this, uh, Dr. Rivers, if I could, because that word intersectionality is, is one of the words that is, you know, it's a, a red flag word when it comes to the Board of Education. What do you make of that? I mean, obviously, a lot of nuance in this proposed course, but uh, the Board of Education not having it. Well, I can't speak for the college board, but I think the college board will revise the curriculum where such topics as queer theory and intersectionality, black feminism 
will not be uh, sort of uh, standalone topics, but integrated into such topics as slavery, reconstructions, civil rights, protest movements. But I don't think that um, the uh, the topics at question will be standalone. But I believe that they will still be a part of the discussion because they are part of the African-American experience. You're talking about diversity in this country. You're talking about all different kinds of people and philosophies and ways of life. And they must be included in a holistic history of this country. So I, I, I certainly... Uh, believe that the college board would not simply uh, cut it all out without perhaps integrating it into other topics that will be discussed and explored within this AP African American Studies curriculum. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you about what the uh, you know what's being taught currently uh, in the state of Florida. I mean, we we didn't. We weren't able to speak to somebody from the Florida Department of Education. They didn't make a spokesperson available to talk with us, but they did send us a number of different statements, uh, and they highlighted what they say is an expansion of the teaching of African-American history under the DeSantis administration, pointing to a bill that requires teaching of the Ocoee Massacre, for example. What do you make of that? I mean, what is the state of uh, the teaching of African-American history in Florida right now? Well, I have I have reviewed... Uh, the curriculum in the uh, the history curriculum in the state of Florida, and I'm and with particular emphasis on African American history, and I'm I'm a little concerned that while it is a mandate, a law, to teach African American history, out of 67 counties, only 12 counties are offering uh, the African American history course. And I would love to see the uh, governor in the Florida Department of Education question the other 57 or so counties that are not offering this course to give a rationale why they're not offering it. Mm -hmm. Will Brown, let me come back to you for a moment. This story about this rejected AP African-American history um, course broke not long after MLK Day, and that's a day of unity, reflection on the civil rights movement, sort of where we are in this moment in history now. Where do you see the debate over the teaching of African-American history uh, fitting into that narrative? You know, to prepare for, to get some historical context for exactly that question, I earlier this week spoke with my 88-year-old aunt who spoke, who taught history in a Brevard County public school for 30 years and taught African-American oh, history wow. In at Cocoa High School in the early 70s. Uh, what she said to me is that, you know, black history should be taught. And from her perspective as a longtime educator and who was an educator before I was born, um, is, is that you cannot have you cannot teach American history without African-American history. And so it's important. From her, as she told me, it was important to, that it's continued to be taught, um, and, and whether that's taught as a standalone class, as she did in the '70s, or whether that's incorporated into curriculum, it, it doesn't matter. That's that's what she told me, and and she was a longtime educator who retired from the Brevard County School District a, hmm. a few decades ago. Lots of calls coming in to the Florida Roundup from all over the state, 305-995-1800, rather. Give us a call. Kendra in Jacksonville. Hi, Kendra. Hi, guys. Uh, I wanted to say two points. One is regarding the, um, the censorship of the teacher-selected and media center-selected books in schools. Um, I'm a professional educator. I was already vetted and background checked, fingerprinted, tons of affidavits and paperwork. I was vetted when I was interviewed and hired by the school district. So if we've hired a staff of professional educators, why don't we trust them to continue to be educators? Why all this, mm -hmm. uh, these accusations and concerns? We don't see in other professionals this arbitrary and punitive treatment where people are being 
questioned readily uh, by the public about their their professionalism. Kendra, thanks. And, you know, we'll talk in a, in a little more detail in the second half hour of this show about uh, what's going on in classrooms with classroom libraries now no longer accessible uh, to Florida students under another new policy. More about that after uh, 1230. But first, a few more calls. Ed in Orange Park. Hi, Ed. Go ahead. Uh, yes, I'm glad it was mentioned that uh, uh, in Florida, the teaching of black history is a requirement. It's not an elective. Now, the professor brought up a very good point. Why is it that it's not being taught uh, in every county, even though it is a requirement? I suspect that those, those who are familiar a little bit with the curriculums or how it works with the school district, they're slow. And if it was a, uh, a requirement passed, not so long ago, which required probably the school system to adapt and create the courses and the teachers and so on. So probably next year curriculum will have it everywhere. Uh, so, but so far, so far that's showing that this narrative of Florida not allowing Black history is incorrect. It in fact is not an elective; it's a requirement. Now, the AP course is a pilot program. It's yes. not even a a, a uh, a, a official plan by the AP uh, uh, school curriculum, so they're testing it, which is the whole purpose of a pilot program is to tweak it if it need be. The majority of it has no problem. The state of Florida brought certain uh, situations, uh, which, uh, as an example, reparation or the elimination of prison is, is uh, promoted without a counter a different uh, offer or different option. If it would have been the other way around, if the court said we are against reparation, and that was it, without without allowing the opposite view, uh, that would be incorrect also. That would be wrong. You can't have it both ways. So uh, as an example, reparation uh, and, and, is something and, that is... Yeah, Ed, I, yeah. I'm really glad you raised these points, and I, not to cut well, you I'm, off, I'm, I just want to give him a I'm, chance I'm, to respond because we're coming up against a commercial break. So, Dr. Rivers, uh, what about that argument from that caller in Orange Park? Well, I, I think that um, African-American history is required and that the AP uh, course is certainly uh, one that is an elective. But my concern overall is that we enforce what we already have on the law books, and that is to make sure that the African-American history course that is mandated by the state is taught by all 67 counties. Um, and I can understand that the uh, AP African-American studies curriculum is going through revisions, but I hope that those historians who put it together won't water it down where it's not really an AP uh, academic advanced uh, course. So I'm, I'm still concerned about the end game with the AP African-American uh, studies curriculum. All right. And uh, we're going to continue the conversation with your phone calls on this. Get on the line. 305-995-1800. This is the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Florida Roundup. I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville. And I'm Matthew Petty in Tampa. We're continuing the conversation about the Florida Board of Education's rejection of an advanced placement course on African-American studies and the response from lawmakers, students and teachers. Education Commissioner Manny Diaz called the course Indoctrination Masquerading as Education. The College Board says it will revise that course. High-profile Florida civil rights attorney Ben Crump says he'll sue the governor on behalf of a group of students over the rejection of the course. Lots of calls coming in. Matthew, as we continue with Dr. Larry Rivers of FAMU and our own Will Brown of Jacks Today. Yes, uh, Melissa, plenty of calls and tweets coming in as well. Uh, let's go to John in Palm Bay. John, what's on your mind? Hi, I'm a retired teacher, and a few years ago, a partner and I turned our material into a book that got published. Mm-hmm. And the publisher is still really happy with the book, but now they want to do a second edition. And in the second edition, uh, without consulting us, they removed about a third of the book. We checked to see what kind of stuff they removed, and it was in almost everything dealing with black history and Native American history. And we just see this as a way of whitewashing history. Our book, the purpose of our book was to get people to understand uh, different perspectives. And mm-hmm. the publisher is becoming an author by editing out the material because of what they see um, uh, the state's uh, governors uh, demanding in the courses. John, thanks for weighing in. Uh, Dr. Rivers, let me... Put that to you. What about that? Is uh, are you hearing similar stories? Uh, material being left or excised from books because there's worries about what uh, may come down from the Department of Education? Yes, I have uh, talked to quite a few of my colleagues, and they are concerned uh, about this move to uh, what I call sanitize uh, American history. Um, and to really move away from uh, making it a holistic history that would include African-Americans, indigenous people, Asian-Americans, and others. Um, And it just seems like this is the mood of the country to really whitewash history. And Hmm. when you think about Florida, my, my book, Slavery, and Florida looked at the institution of slavery in Florida from the territorial days to emancipation. And in 1865, 48% of Florida's population consisted of newly freed blacks, 48%, almost 50% of the population. How can you tell a history of a state and not include 50% of its population. So I I am concerned about uh, this move to exclude instead of include the significant contributions of all ethnic and racial groups in the making of America. Mm -hmm. Let me just um, read a quote. Uh, that was sent to us from the Department of Education. This is from Governor DeSantis, quote, we want history and that's what our standards for black history are for. It's just cut and dry history. You learn all the basics. You learn about the great figures and I view it as American history. I don't view it as separate history, end quote. Dr. Rivers, your thoughts on that? Is it just cut and dry history or is there more nuance to it than that? Are we missing things in the teaching uh, to to Florida students that needs to be in there? Uh, My answer is it's not just cut and dry facts. Yes, in part it's about facts, but it's about the interpretation of those facts. It's about making judgment calls on those facts. And I'd like to move from concern of CRT, come up with what I call CTS. CTS, and that's critical thinking skills. In particular, with the AP course, uh, you want your students to critically think. Uh, You don't want a watered-down course in any AP course. So it's not just about the facts. It's about the interpretation of those facts and making sense of those facts. If you're just going to 
uh, talk about facts. You, you can just get an encyclopedia and just read it and be done. But you need to have the exchange of ideas, interpreting facts, disagreeing with facts, comparing different facts from different parts of the country. So it is not just about facts, cut and dry facts. Right, and of course that's where the uh, the teacher comes into the equation, a very, very important part of the discussion. Let's go to Chris in Tampa. Chris, uh, you're on the air. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, yes, let me just say that I see the uh, this blocking of the AP course uh, as well as uh, the uh, censoring or uh, this so-called book review uh, by the governor as a further assault uh, on education that he that he that this administration has. Uh, in one sense, by with the AP course, by not uh, you know uh, allowing it and letting students see additional aspects of African American history. In effect, the governor is trying to indoctrinate to a, a history to a Eurocentric version uh, that ignores, uh, you know, a significant part of our population. And mm-hmm. likewise with the college, uh, or I'm sorry, with the uh, uh, book uh, book reviews, such as we see in Manatee County, where they've hired right. 500 or, or brought in 500 volunteers to uh, so-called re- review books, it's in effect a censoring. And mm-hmm. What's, what concerns me the most is this capitulation by both the Manatee schools as well as the college board to what the governor wants, which I see can result in a polarization, whereas some students, for example, in the books, uh, whose parents will provide them the books that are, are, are not permitted in the schools, and others won't have access, access to them, so they'll have different perspectives on the world mm-hmm. and on our society. And as a result, I think that that's what this could possibly lead to. Uh, thank you so much for your call, Chris. Uh, appreciate that. Will, uh, let me get you uh, your take on this. I mean, the talk of polarization um, and our caller saying essentially indoctrination is in the eye of the beholder a little bit. But do you see policies like this as kind of leading to more polarization uh, you know, in the, in the stories that you cover, uh, looking at the race and inequality, how do you see this playing out? There's always been division in America. It's just been more uh, focused on at some points of American history than others. Um, you know, I go back to what my aunt told me earlier this week, and, you know, she believes that it's more polarized now than at any other point in her life, and she's almost 90 years old. Um, mm-hmm. So... As for what people are telling me, yes, there there are definitely divisions, and this is just yet another uh, way to cleave people apart on, on where they stand. From what the folks are telling me when I am all throughout northwest Jacksonville and other parts of town. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you both it- for joining us. Uh, I want to thank uh, Professor Larry Rivers distinguished professor of history and author at FAMU, and Will Brown. He's a reporter with Jacksonville Today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're going to continue the educational discussion because, as you've been hearing, teachers around Florida have been told to cover their bookshelves until all books can be reviewed and vetted, or they risk Third, felony prosecution. Uh, Under new state standards, teachers who are found with inappropriate books or books that haven't been vetted by media specialists could be charged with a third-degree felony. Among those guidelines, Melissa, books must be, quote, free of pornography and appropriate for the age level and group. Media specialists also tasked with reviewing the books are being told to avoid material that could lead to, quote, indoctrination. Well, for more on this, we're joined by Judd Legum, journalist and publisher of the newsletter Popular Information. Thanks so much for being here, Judd. Thanks for having me. And we're also joined by WLRN education reporter Kate Payne. Kate, thank you as well. Thank you. I guess we'll get to uh, Kate in a little bit, but let me start with you, Judd. Uh, during a meeting this week, Manatee County School District officials said they didn't actually tell teachers to remove books. In fact, as it happens, the district did direct secondary schools to, quote, remove or cover all classroom libraries until all materials can be reviewed to ensure we are meeting Rule 67, 6A-7 uh, 
0713, that's a bit of a mouthful there, as identified in the FDOE Library Media Training. What did Manatee School District officials tell you, Judd? Well, I, I knew, I listened to that meeting uh, after it was posted online about a day afterwards, and I knew from the documents that I've been getting, having, talk, having talked first to teachers, that they were receiving documents that appeared to me to be from the school district, which explicitly told them to cover up or pack up their books pending this review that's now required. And then I took that document to the district and confirmed that they had sent it out. And so I think what was happening at that meeting was that these images uh, that had been online of, of books covered up with blankets or construction paper, things of that nature, generated a lot of controversy. There was really an effort uh, by the administrators to sort of shift the blame over to the teachers um, that this was perhaps an overreaction. But I, I think the truth was the teachers were doing what they were told to do by their the people who were in charge. Any kind of confusion there, or is it pretty clear that basically told, get the books off the shelves, cover them up, or else there could be trouble? There is some confusion about what's happening because I think the rule is you have to cover up all of your books or make them inaccessible, however you want to do it. Cover them up, pack them up, mm -hmm. uh, put a force field around them uh, until you either confirm that those are already available in the library. That means they've been reviewed by a librarian. Um, and then if, if they were, you can put books that are already available in the library back up. But then all the other books need to be segregated out and then reviewed individually by a media specialist. So really part of the issue is, is this is an extremely labor intensive process, both for the teachers and the media specialists. It's happening right in the middle of the school year. It's not like teachers are known for their copious amounts of free time uh, to, to undertake extra tasks. Uh, so that's part of what the confusion and the struggle is. So the district is saying, well, we're not saying you can't have a school library, but they're saying you have to go through all of these hoops and steps in order to get your library stood up. And even then, at the end of the day, some of the books might be deemed unacceptable. Yeah, what are you hearing from teachers, though? I mean, I get the sense from looking at some of these images that there's, a, there's an element of protest in it, right? Some of the pictures show a covered up bookcase with sort of signs on it, taped to it saying, free the books. What are you hearing from yeah. teachers about whether they're going to comply with this or not? I've heard from some teachers who say they don't intend on complying. Um, but I think it's helpful to think, to understand what these classroom libraries are. This is not a situation where the teachers are even provided with any resources from the school to create classroom libraries. For the most part, these are libraries that were created sometimes over years, even decades by the teachers relying on donations, relying on sometimes bringing books from their own house, wherever they can find them. And teachers have kind of carefully curated them to appeal to different kinds of students, different kinds of readers, different interests. So to be told that, well, actually we're concerned that you are providing pornography or some or some other unacceptable things to students and that they need to cover them up until some other person can come into the classroom and review them. I think it's made a lot of the teachers pretty upset. You're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Media. Lots of calls, 305-995-1800. We'll go to those in a bit. Lots of tweets. Here's one from a listener. We have a teacher shortage in Florida, yet our politicians are threatening teachers with felonies for having a library in their classroom. Outrageous. They say, my daughter won't even read at home. She likes to read books at school. Kate Payne, education reporter for WLRN. Kate, we're hearing from teachers all over the state about this, expressing their alarm. Uh... What is the approval process for books and what might it look like now that this new policy is is in effect? Yeah, so what I've been hearing uh, from South Florida districts is that this process does vary as far as how it's being implemented. So, you know, not everyone is is taking the sort of Manatee County approach. 
Um, you know, I heard from Monroe County, for instance, that they're continuing their normal operations. So that's, you know, letting teachers keep their classroom libraries until the end of June um, when media specialists have to complete this new state training. And at that point, um, they'll reassess. Uh, but other districts are, are really um, close-lipped about this, about about how they're handling it. Uh, but mm-hmm. another source told me, you know, they're, they're not covering up books or, or anything like that, but they understand and why teachers are because of this new state law and the State Department of Education's um, new rules around how these books are, are being approved. Um, so again, it's uh, putting the onus on trained media specialists to review and select all the, the library books in the school media centers, but also those classroom libraries, um, which, as Judd was saying, are really a passion project for a lot of teachers, something that they're curating um, on their own. And it's, it's a tremendous amount of work for these media specialists having to ensure that uh, the books are free of pornography, as we've talked about, cannot be deemed harmful to minors under state law, uh, that they're suited to student needs um, and are appropriate for, for the grade level and, and group of students. Um, and, and the state is telling media specialists to err on the side of caution um, and, and to avoid books that could be considered indoctrination. At the same time, some school districts around Florida have defunded these positions. They're school librarians, but in Florida they're called media specialists, which theoretically would slow the process down to return books to the shelves, wouldn't it? I'm sorry, I missed the first part of your your question. Could you restate it, Melissa? Just the fact that these media specialist positions have been defunded in some Florida districts. Absolutely. And that's that's a major concern for those schools that, um, as a cost-cutting measure, have cut their media specialists over the years and don't have um, these specially trained um, specialists on, on staff. And so that's absolutely going to be another strain um, on school staff, on district staff of uh, either trying to you know hire additional staff or, or share staff across schools. Um, it, it really shows, you know, the holes in, in our school system and, and the burdens that are being put on educational staff all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, ultimately, it's it's fewer books going into the hands of kids. Uh, some teachers have pointed out, uh, particularly kids who don't have access to books at home and may only uh, have that access from their school classroom library or, of course, their public library, Matthew uh, but uh, that's something else we've been hearing from teachers too. Matt. Uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, we'll get more of the comments. Lots of calls and comments coming in on Twitter about this. Your comments and questions on book bans and classroom library closures. We'll get to that after the break when the Florida Roundup continues from Florida Public Radio. Welcome back to the Florida Roundup. I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville. And I'm Matthew Petty in Tampa. Well, we're talking this hour about book bans and classroom library closures as teachers wrestle with how to comply with 
New regulations coming down from the Department of Education. Lots of calls coming in, 305-995-1800. Tweet us at Florida Roundup. Let's go to Catherine now in Cooper City. Catherine, you're on the air. Yes. Um, I am a retired professor, and a good many of my beginning students had never read a book to begin with. And um, the I, from front cover to end cover, the idea that the governor and the uh, Department of Education would seek to ban books, and particularly the conversation I think is pertinent today on International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Um, the banning of books, the banning of information, and, and not allowing faculty members as well uh, at all levels to make decisions on what is appropriate for the students is a travesty. And hmm. it's an absolute travesty. The reality of it is, is that you have specialists in their areas, choosing the book, reviewing the information, adding other information to that, and critical thinking is where it's at. Catherine, thank you so much for uh, your thoughts there. Judd, what do you think about that? I mean, uh, is this part of a kind of a bigger process, and and how does it fit into some of the other um, things we're seeing in terms of state policy affecting what's taught in schools, what can and can't be said in Florida? Yeah, it really does interrelate with all of that. Uh, And it comes down to, uh, as you were reading in the beginning, the idea that when the media specialists are going to review these books, they need to do it consistent with this training that was just produced by the Florida Department uh, of Education. Many uh, of your listeners are probably familiar with a couple of laws that were passed in Florida over the last year Uh, the Parental Rights and Education Act, also known as uh, the Don't Say Gay uh, law, the Stop Woke Act, uh, which uh, restricts certain kinds of discussion about race. Those those laws in their text don't say that they apply to libraries. It says it's classroom instruction. But in this training, uh, they don't make that clear. And in fact, really imply quite strongly that the media specialist should be excluding books that wouldn't be consistent uh, with the restrictions in place in those laws. And and further also say that media specialists should err on the side of caution. And as you've mentioned, that if they violate this, it could be a third degree felony. So I think what we're seeing is really just the beginning of this process, starting to see some of the teachers cover up the books, but really we're going to start to see this play out as different media specialists interpret this training which they just uh, which was just released and that they'll be receiving over the next couple of months. Michelle in Seminole. Hi Michelle. Go ahead. Hey hi. Hi. I think Catherine the last um, caller kind of beat me to the punch but today is National Holocaust uh, Remembrance Day and it started out simple about 80 years ago. One man thought that he knew what was best for his people and uh not too much later after that six million jews were killed desantis has no business controlling our citizens we're adults we know what we're doing um it's very dangerous it's a dangerous game that he is doing people think it's simple it isn't and it's going to get worse if we continue to let him do this Thank you, Michelle. Kate Payne, you know, when you talk to people around Florida about these kinds of issues, you hear a lot of discussion uh, uh, raising concerns about what some Floridians perceive as rising authoritarianism in this state. You also hear from voters out there who love this governor. They believe that improper material is being shown to young children, and they approve of these Uh, sweeping measures, these sweeping changes. When you go around as an education reporter, what kind of feedback are you getting? Well, I think that's a key tension that we're seeing is fundamentally what should the role of public schools be? You know, some are surprised, you know, by the the politicization of public schools, but this is a long history in this country. You know, it was not that long ago that public schools were segregated, you know, 
people denied fundamentally equal access to education. And so there's there's a very long history of this. Um, and you know, for, for so many educators and for parents who are alarmed by uh, this censorship and by these bans, they do believe that public schools should serve everyone and that individuals should not have a say of, of banning books for all children, you know, that those conversations um, should be up to, to individual parents. You know, I'm, I'm hearing that from media specialists all the time of, you know, if, if you have an issue with a book that your child is reading, have that conversation with your child. And you're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio, Greg in St. Petersburg. Go ahead, Greg. Thanks for calling. Hey there. Good afternoon. Um, I know this may seem a little bit out of left field. I think that we should just eliminate all the books. Uh, eliminate no all books the books? When I was in school, we had books, but nowadays we have the Internet. And the Internet is like all the books wrapped up into one. So what do we need books for? Well, that's, uh, we can even that's... close the school. We can even close the school. <laughs> you know, sit them in front of a screen there and just have them click away, and that's how they can learn. Oh, well, thanks, Greg. But, you know, uh, Judd, uh, early childhood educators, I believe, and you you may know more about this than I do, uh, the tactile experience of holding a book of, a, of an adult reading to a child with a book that they can hold in their hands, there's nothing that can replace that and how that affects brain development. Although, of course, as Greg points out, you can read books online. Yeah, I mean, I think actually, I, I think the last caller was kind of making a satirical point, but I think there's there's a kernel of truth in there. You know, first, just to your question, I think educators and educational researchers really have stressed the importance, not just of reading actual physical books, but self-directed reading, meaning in order to inculcate a real habit and a love of reading and a real mastery of literacy, you need to give students the ability to select their own books. And that's that's really what these classroom libraries are about. Um, as for the internet and its role, you know, that's something that I think is really interesting about all of this is that there's so much concern about inappropriate sexual images in some, you know, in a handful of books that are available in, in libraries. Uh, but of course, on the internet, there's all sorts of things uh, that yeah. are available and many of the same students you know have phones where they can literally pull up anything you could possibly imagine on their phone in an instant so it seems to me uh, i think it's legitimate to to be concerned about children being exposed to explicit sexual imagery that, that's certainly a legitimate concern but if you're thinking about well what is the source of those kinds of what that kind of content i don't think the school library would be the top of the list you know the phone that's in many of these students pockets or in their backpack probably is a far greater source of that kind of content. and kate Payne, cynical observers of florida politics for some time uh, have made the observation that all of these moves are uh, about something else, uh, the governor's presidential ambitions. Absolutely. And and that's been something that I've heard from educators and talking about all of these developments of uh, the, the censorship of, of library books, as well as the, the AP African-American Studies course. Um, and they're tired of it. As educators, they're tired of it. Um, and they absolutely see it as a tactic to um, to galvanize a Republican voting base um, and, and to build that coalition around DeSantis. So, you know, we're still uh, waiting to see uh, how this will shake out around the state. But Judd Legume, uh, you've been reporting a lot on Manatee County. Um, apparently, volunteers have already started streaming into that county to vet the books, uh, according to what we're seeing on social media, this is an ongoing story. Yeah, I, I think a lot of teachers who want to get these libraries uh, going again are relying on volunteers. Uh, actually, one of the school board members herself has, has volunteered at her local school, and she confirmed this is a very uh, time-intensive process. And one thing, though, that's important is that the volunteers are just confirming whether or not these books are already in the school library. After that, every other book cannot be reviewed by the volunteers. They have to be reviewed by the media specialists. As you mentioned, 
Some schools don't even have them. In Manatee, they at least have one media specialist in every school. Still, that could be hundreds, thousands of books that this media specialist will now need to review uh, under the threat that if they make the wrong decision, that could be a felony. But in other schools, they don't even have a media specialist. It's probably going to need to be gone, uh, sent out these lists to the district level where there's one person who might be re responsible for many, many schools. So it's going to be, it, it is underway, but it's going to be quite some process. And of course, it's the middle of the school year now. One minute left. Kate Payne, any other observations? Yeah, well, just something else that I've heard from educators is, you know, for them, they feel like this is such a distraction. And, you know, they say this is this is not a threat and it's not a major threat that uh, we should be concerned about in schools. You know, we know um, in the worst way the, the violence that students can be subject to in schools in South Florida. And, you know, educators say they should be focused on getting students, you know, excited about learning, engaging with the world around them, and making sure that they're okay. And they say many of our students are not okay and that this is a, a distraction. Well, thank you so much to uh, both of our journalists for this part of the discussion. Fascinating conversation, which I'm sure will continue in the months and weeks to come. Judd Legum, journalist and publisher of the newsletter Popular Information. Thanks, Judd. Thank you. And WLRN education reporter Kate Payne. Thanks so much, Kate. Thank you. And thanks for listening. The Florida Roundup produced by WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville and WLRN Public Media in Miami. Heather Schatz and Natu Tuay are show producers. WLRN's Vice President of Radio and our Technical Director is Peter Mance. Engineering help from Doug Peterson, Charles Michaels and Isabella De Silva. Richard Ives answers the phones. Theme music by Miami jazz guitarist Aaron Lebos at AaronLebos.com. I'm Matthew Petty. And I'm Melissa Ross. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll be back next Friday at noon.